Hey everybody, thank you for joining on Microsoft, the uh, on podcast, the on Microsoft <laughs> podcast, the only podcast from Microsoft that talks about Microsoft as many times as we can say on and podcast as well. Never uh, enough times for ons. We love yeah, the ons. I think we're at seven. Um, like I said, by like, <laughs> you know, mid season, we should be at like 20. Uh, but yeah, I'm your co host, uh, Kareem Anderson. I'm joined with the world's greatest co host, Arif Bacchus. Yeah, and uh, we're here for another week packed full of information, news, rumors, uh, hopes, dreams, uh, all centered <laughs> around Microsoft products and uh, services. Uh, so, I mean, with no further ado, we will kind of jump into what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I'll let you start off the, the laundry list of things we're going to be talking about. So the biggest news of them all is perhaps we could have a Surface event in a few weeks, and there are a lot of rumors floating around out there. I mean... We've been talking about this for probably four or five podcasts now about Surface Laptop 4, but looks like we could see some other things other than a Surface Laptop 4 at the next uh, Surface Spring event. So that'll be our first topic. And then our second topic relates to Xbox because, hey, we haven't been talking about Xbox recently, and it's Bethesda finally joining Microsoft. Everything became official, and uh, I'll let you lead on with the balance of the topics for the show. Yeah, uh, followed by, you know, we're getting close to build. So uh, Microsoft officially uh, marked it as, what is it, I believe it's the first week of May or is it the last week of May? Nothing has been official just yet. Oh, it's not even official yet, but they they earmarked it for May. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so we at least know the month. Nor I think that last year they pushed it up and almost had it at the like, end of March, beginning of April. They're going back to their old May areas. So we'll, we'll talk about some rumors, what, you know, what we'd like to see it build, uh, what they should be talking about it build, and probably what they will talk about it build. Uh, followed by uh, the next topic, which is probably what they'll be talking about it build anyway, <laughs> inadvertently, is Chrome OS, uh, which turned 10 years old. I know this is a Microsoft podcast, but it's super important that we uh, talk about Chrome OS in the context of Windows 10, uh, Windows 10X in particular, uh, what's been borrowed, what we'd like to see on Windows 10, what Chrome is doing successfully and where they failed. And, you know, just all, getting kind of the minutia of it, we uh, have some varying opinions, both uh, RF and myself. So uh, stay tuned for that if you're a Chrome fan or if you're a Windows fan. Team Windows right here, so side with me. And then, and then we have our week ahead segment where there's a lot of stuff that we have planned at, on Microsoft next week. Um, if you're a reader of the site, which we hope you are, uh, that you don't just watch us, that you also read us, you might have noticed that we had a big redesign and we're planning to speak to the web designer who did that redesign for us and for our editor-in-chief, uh, Kip. She'll be on the show with us next week, so keep your eyes peeled. And also, we have a special giveaway coming up next week, too, to celebrate the site redesign. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And we have a couple of uh, pieces planned, a uh, couple of reviews. Yubico reached out to us, and they make YubiKeys, which are for enterprise and also for consumers. And we had a chance to sit down with uh, Yubico's chief solutions officer, Jared Chung. And so look out for that next week, too. And now uh, I'll let you get into the news aspect of what we expect to come up next week. Yeah, uh, like we said, we'll be talking about some of the rumors for upcoming events. Uh, some of that will probably trickle out into uh, features and uh, services updates throughout the week. Uh, one of the bigger things that we've been reporting on in particular as of recent is the Microsoft versus Google. 
which is kind of splashed across news headlines, especially later, uh, late as of late last week. Uh, you know, we will get into the specifics of it, but uh, the competition has heated back up. You know, kind of they went into kind of a cold war slash uh, angsty <laughs> partnership, and it seems like the knives are out again. So uh, we'll be talking about that, and I believe I have some review stuff that we'll be talking about. But either way, we also have Chrome stuff. Uh, yeah. To follow up with our conversation, we also have some hardware to back up our opinions. Uh, so be on the lookout for that on the site as well. Well, we're a Microsoft podcast, so let's get into the Microsoft news first, <laughs> which is uh, the Surface uh, Spring event rumors. I know you're an avid fan of the Surface lineup. Uh, you have your Surface Pro 7 Plus review coming, but there's uh, rumors out there about a possible event coming up, right? Yeah, uh, as you said, I'm a Surface fan. Uh, I do own a Surface Go 2. I have uh, your uh, old uh, Surface uh, <laughs> Laptop 3, 15-inch. I've been testing out the Surface Pro 7. Plus, uh, I have a Surface Book that I use for work. Like, I'm a Surface fan. Uh, and so uh, maybe we'll start to, based on these rumors, start to see some more uh, Surface devices in particular come out and some refreshes that we've been long planning. Um, more specifically, Microsoft is planning uh, various, you know, we've said that they've been planning various digital events throughout the year. Uh, I believe that we should be having an Xbox one pretty soon. Uh, that said it's rumored for March 23rd. Uh, but a Surface event is also in the cards for this spring. Um, spring, I think, lasts until what, like June 22nd or something <laughs> like that. So it may not be just, you know, next month, but it's 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 coming. Uh, where Microsoft is expected to announce the new Surface Laptop 4 alongside some other accessories. So maybe we get some refreshes to ear, uh, the earbuds, maybe we get some new headphones. Um, you know, I believe, uh, I don't think we're going to get any news about the Duo just yet, but, you know, those are some of the accessories that we're thinking about. Uh, one of the bigger things that's been rumored uh, and kind of you know, piques everyone's interest is a new Microsoft uh, Surface Edition webcam. I know that they made... Um, a webcam back in 2006, 2006 the live cam, the live cam, which right. you could actually still buy today if you want it. Oh, I was going to say I thought they stopped selling it in 2010. <laughs> oh, no, it's but, still yeah. available. Okay, uh, and that's based on a report that we got from Brad Sams, who you know he has probably better sources than we do at the moment. We'd like to <laughs> anybody who'd like to talk this from Microsoft, please reach out. We'd love to have you as a contact. Uh, this new webcam uh, can include a privacy cover, which has been uh, a big selling point for Lenovo, the thick shutter thing, so you can like manually close it, and you don't have to worry about people seeing your lower half when you get up from a meeting. Um, <laughs> it's supposed to support HDR video. Uh, it may also come with a 4K sensor, uh, 4K sensor support as well. According to the report, Microsoft could also use the Spring Service event to announce some new audio accessories, uh, like we mentioned, uh, headphones, uh, even dedicated uh, conference pucks. That's kind of a new thing in, uh, in uh, home offices. You know, you get yourself a, a microphone about the size of a flattened out Google mid Home Mini or something like that. Uh, so that could be something. Uh, and if they put in, you know, all of the audio stuff that they do for their um, headphones and earbuds, it can be a big selling point for people. Um, they, go ahead. They've been working on webcams for a while. I, I think I uh, read in uh, Bram's, Brad Sams's report, he was talking about how they had webcams planned since 2019. I believe if you look at the uh, Surface Hub 2S and Surface Hub 2 promotion videos, you'd see that little webcam 
that's atop the monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't think that that that's what they're specifically planning to reveal, but we do know that based on what he thinks, that this is something that they've been working on for a while. And Panos has mentioned webcams before too, so uh, something that they've been planning for a while. And what what a better time to reveal a webcam than during a global pandemic? Yeah, um, and you know, for that webcam, uh, which I think. I think it's a great uh, option, even the one that for the Surface Hub, which I believe is magnetic, so it can kind of be positioned uh, anywhere along the outside border of that, even as it turns. So, you know, that's just good to keep in, uh, keep in mind. So you, people don't have to buy a mount or buy a stand particularly. Um, but, you know, we are also here in rooms that it could come in at around 100 bucks. Uh, what I was going to say is, and this is my last bit on that, is that um, I know we got rid of the Connect, but I yeah. do believe for anybody who is interested in streaming, I know a lot of um, Twitch users and stuff like that already use GoPros and you know maybe a Sony some you know version of a camera. But if you're just thinking about getting into it now, this could be uh, a really big selling point for the Xbox Series X as well to have that same webcam uh, if it's Bluetooth enabled or Wi-Fi supported uh, to be not only your work camera but your also streaming camera and a new way to kind of interact uh, with your friends and stuff. Uh, even though we don't, you know, the Xbox doesn't come with a connect anymore, dedicated camera and for any apps that make use of that in the home. So maybe we get a Facebook portal app on the Xbox and you can start <laughs> to support that. You can have conf- you know, big conference videos through the Xbox on your, uh, in your living room, stuff like that. As I think this webcam has huge potential. It's also interesting because we do know that they have the, um, what is it, their new Xbox headset coming out. So you mentioned be, it being used for gaming. So interesting timing there and a nice little thesis or theory you have there. Yeah, I would love it to be true. <laughs> uh, the other thing that we have that's even probably bigger and more substantial for people, at least in the immediate, is the Surface Laptop 4. I mean, it's coming. We don't know when it's coming or what it's coming with or how it's going to be designed, but it will be. It's probably more concrete than our webcam rumors. Uh, they will have to put out a Surface 4 laptop at some point. Um, <laughs> we, we wrote about uh, AMD the geek, chipsets. The Geekbench. You wrote about the Geekbench. Uh, uh, I just got to bring up the mistake, don't you? Uh, <laughs> we mistakenly wrote, uh, followed a report about a Geekbench, uh, which um, I believe said that they potentially would come with an AMD, uh, the most recent AMD 5, 5 5,000, I believe it the is. Ryzen, the Ryzen 5,000 chips, but that's not what they're going with because this is Microsoft, right? Yeah. However, now it appears Microsoft is doing what it always, and this is what I wrote, seems to kind of do is they're kind of taking a step back um, using a more mature chipset, which I believe is the Ryzen 5 468U or the Ryzen 7 498U. Um, Surface Edition chips, so I, some you know additional silicon has been put into this to kind of make it a partnership for uh, Microsoft, and I'm assuming it's some GPU to make the uh, Windows experience seem a little smoother and faster. Um, but yeah, they're doing what we hope they wouldn't do, which is be Surface cautious. That's what I'm starting to use. <laughs> that. It's many terms. Surface cautious means they're using a chipset from the from the previous year or the current year, nothing future leaning. But I mean. Ideally, they do this to squeeze the best performance out of it, make sure all the drivers are updated and supported for this. Uh, I know that they got burned. Uh, I forget which lake it was for Intel, but about three years ago, they used one, and it just, you know, we had the hot bag situation. We had the uh, constant on things. It was it was a bad look for Surface. So it's nice to see that they are being cautious and going with uh, older generation chips, but even though they are older, I think these chips that they're rumored to be using have uh, six cores instead of three. 
or is yes. it two cores on the previous Surface Laptop 3 chip? So it would be an improvement nonetheless. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's not be an some, improvement. It's, it's uh, not it, something that's disappointing per se. No, no, it was, uh, I believe it was mostly in the GPU uh, right. that people were, were leaning towards and hoping for. Uh, the current, the GPUs in the 468U are, I'd say, you know, based on the Geekbench again, uh, 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 tests, you know, about 15 to 20% uh, more proof were the latest ones were showing uh, even larger leaps. So that's why everyone's kind of leaning towards that. But again, it's uh, it's going to be a nice device when and if it comes out. It's like something we've talking about for like since the year started. So it's coming for sure. Yeah, well, which is funny because you get the Surface Pro 7, 7 Plus, plus uh, which is their flagship you know, device. It's the first computer they actually made, and it kind of landed quietly. I mean, it, I think it's an amazing device, but everyone wants that clamshell uh, form factor right now, and so they're looking for an updated version, especially something that they can show their M1 friends, their Apple M1 friends. <laughs> well, uh, you mentioned Apple, but we're still staying here on uh, Microsoft because it's a Microsoft podcast. Ah, and... I tried to trip them up, folks. I tried to trip them up. <laughs> and uh, the big news this week is uh, Bethesda has finally officially joined Microsoft. Uh, you may remember a couple of podcasts ago where we talked about the rumors of them being acquired by Microsoft, and now all the paperwork and all the red tape has finally been cut and it's official and Microsoft has finally completed its acquisition of ZeniMax Media, which is the parent company of Bethesda Softworks. So now with acquiring Bethesda, Microsoft now owns eight more talented video game studios, including Bethesda, uh, ID Software, Machine Games, Arkind Studios, and all of these games are now coming to Xbox Game Pass, which is a pretty, pretty big deal. And uh, just to be clear, it doesn't mean that um, you're not going to see Bethesda games on other consoles. Uh, the head of Xbox reiterated that Bethesda will continue to operate independently of Microsoft while still benefiting from Microsoft's uh, resources. His quote was, we look forward to empowering Bethesda's creative teams to reach even more players around the world, helping make Bethesda titles the biggest and most popular games in their history. And he added that they, they would have more to share later this year, but Microsoft also hosted a special roundtable uh, with Bethesda, and it was centered around the company joining Xbox. And at that roundtable, we had a couple, a couple of announcements of which Bethesda games will be coming to Xbox Game Pass starting tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow, well, starting this week, uh, where after the announcement has occurred. Um, our writer, Laurent, he covered it, and he's like, these are some good games for PC gamers, as 19 of the games will be playable with Xbox Game Pass for PC, with the only exception being Fallout New Vegas. So again, these this is adding more value to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate for people who have an Xbox and also have a Windows 10 PC capable of running these titles. Um, we'll have the full list in the comments uh, if you're interested in knowing which titles you'll be able to play. Um, but it, it's what you expect. Uh, Dishonored, uh, Doom, The Elder Scrolls, Fallout 4, Fallout Rage, Wolfenstein, the whole shebang. They're all coming now to Xbox Game Pass. So yeah, it's, it's pretty big, uh, boosting up... Uh, Microsoft's game gaming library, especially because 
people complain that hey xbox series x and series s have no real games yeah um i believe late last week uh our editor-in-chief and myself got into a conversation about um and i believe Laurent was there as well so those of you who have xbox specific questions or theories and like that please reach out to him he's um he's really uh, well versed about that but my theory was um is that bethesda doesn't or microsoft own now bethesda doesn't necessarily cut off or make exclusive um games uh only to their platform i believe their new play and again i'm saying it here now is, <laughs> you're going to hear it here first you can go tell your friends um that they're going to lock it to game pass and they're going to allow game pass to be played or uh used on playstation 5 or in the playstation network so you will be able to just like you do with ea or activision you'll be able to take five bucks maybe you know seven i don't know i'm saying anywhere from five to ten bucks get a game pass xbox game pass be part of the xbox live uh network but play on your playstation you'll be able to play these games any bethesda games anything that's exclusive to xbox game pass like the consoles uh on your playstation for day and day and one so uh what ends up happening is next generation it doesn't matter if you have a playstation or if you have an xbox as long as you have xbox game pass you'll be able to play all the games or as many games as you can i mean sans any playstation 4 exclusives uh so going forward again this is sort of like you know their idea for netflix is it doesn't matter if you own a smart tv or if you have a laptop or if you have a smartphone as long as you have netflix and you have an account so I believe that's how they're going to get around the exclusivity of uh, having Bethesda game while keeping gamers happy uh, and allowing it everyone to be able to play. That is a wild theory that you have there, and I accept it. But uh, you know what? What also was a wild theory? Um, Microsoft has not officially announced a build 2021 yet. Segway. But <laughs> but but our our friend uh, Walking Cat, who likes to look for all of these Microsoft images and videos and leak them out and be the first to report these uh, breaking stories. Um, he has a sizzle video, which many people believe apparently revealed the date for Microsoft's build developer conference. Yeah, um, and this is a real starts with an ode to Microsoft's resilience in response to the global pandemic. When it comes to pivoting to these virtual events, uh, it goes on to reveal a very quick slideshow uh, of some dates of upcoming events captured in the screenshot, which is, I believe, where we pulled this, this rumor out of, uh, is that it's a placeholder. Walking Cat mentions that this is a placeholder, uh, so he doesn't want to be credited with saying this is the date when it isn't, even though uh, Microsoft isn't saying much about it. We do believe that it could be happening around May 25th through the 27th, um, or, and, um, and there could be another version, uh, another date uh, for an event called Ready It that happens between July 21st, 22nd, and a follow-up, Ignite to be uh, <laughs> on October 13th and 14th. These are all pulled from that screenshot. So again, um, think of it as a placeholder, but you know, it does say May 25th through 27th, uh, which again, kind of coincides with Microsoft going back to its old uh, build time, which, you know, I believe is right around that chunk of time for Google I.O., WWDC, which I believe is the first of June. So um, they're trying to, you know, make sure that they're back in there. And because they don't, they aren't um, restricted by uh, having people, you know, come in person and, and you know, hosting, uh, um, or booking, you know, hotels and, and showrooms and things like that. Uh, they can be very nimble on these. So again, 
could be subject to change, but uh, keep your eye on May at some point in May. So what will they talk about? Will it be like Windows 10X and Sun Valley and like uh, Android and Windows finally merging together as one, which um, we'll kind of talk about when we get into Chrome OS segment. But uh, what do you expect? Uh, what I expect is, and I wrote about this just recently, um, they just, they're shuttering their uh, business uh, store apps, the Microsoft uh, Store for Business, the Microsoft Store for Education. Uh, they just sent out a note telling everybody who, uh, or developers who made anything there, at admin ITs who uh, issued Active uh, uh, Active Serve, I believe it's Active Exchange uh, credentials for for access there. That um, by April 16th, I believe it is, that none of that's really going to work, and they're probably going to have it fully shut down by the beginning of summer. Uh, I said all that to say this is that uh, they need to have a cohesive story for their app development platform. UWP is quickly losing pieces here and there that would have made it substantial. Um, we know that they've been pivoting or talking about PWAs as well. So I believe at this build, they need to figure out who is going to be developing for the Microsoft Store, how they're going to make money for the Microsoft Store, and what the actual five year, not like, oh, this is our new platform. We bought a bunch of tools and services to support it and then next year drop it. What is their five year plan for app development? If it's going to be PWAs, they need to come really hard with, this is how we make it feel native. This is how it's going to work with our new vision of Windows. And that's going to be it for the next three to five years. And so developers have, you know, kind of a, a substantial footing in that. Um, if it's not going to be PWAs, if they're still going to be dragging out UWPs, they got to really hone in on why anybody wants to make that, even though I don't believe anybody's there for it. So unify the store. So, you know, education, stuff like that is still a big thing. Um, you can get stuff there. Talk about PWAs big time and hopefully, and I know there because you know, they spent the last two or three builds talking about Azure and machine learning <laughs> and all stuff. We get some actual Windows information, some visuals of Windows, some um, some new things that they're willing to to experiment and try in Windows to keep up with, as you said, getting in our next topic, Sun Chrome Valley. OS. Sun Valley. Oh, well, yeah, Sun Valley, hopefully, yes. hopefully they talk about Sun Valley by then. Yeah, they need to. That's right. bottom line is we can't be like, oh, surprise, Sun Valley's here in October. Like they need to say that this is what you guys can expect. Developers, make sure your apps look like this so it looks cohesive because that's another thing that Apple does really well with theirs is they tell developers, this is what our OS looks like. Make oh, your yeah. apps look similar to it. Well, I totally destroyed the segue that you were going for right there. You um, ran it over with the truck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Chrome OS, but um, this is what we hope to be a very juicy section because I published a piece earlier this week comparing Chrome OS tablet mode to Windows 10 tablet mode, and it got a lot of um, discussion and the comments were pretty high before we switched over to the new team and they all got deleted or lost in space. But anyway, lost, um, deleted. <laughs> uh, Chrome. Chrome OS turned 10 uh, this past week, and Google announced a lot of new features for Chrome OS as part of uh, that celebration. They announced a phone hub, uh, this new thing in the Chrome OS shelf where you could pin your files, which everyone apparently seems to hate. Um, they announced like a new uh, media control thing in the in the in the shelf where you could pin your controls and get access to playing songs more easily. Uh, um, I tweeted about that last night. There's a lot of fun stuff in Chrome OS. And I said in the Teams chat that we have on Microsoft that, hey, in 10 years, Chrome OS went a very far way 
from just being something that's just a web browser to being a completely different operating system with features that are now competing with macOS and that are now competing with with even um, Windows 10 itself because I believe you are the one that wrote the story that said that um, Chrome has overtake Mac as the most popular operating system. So now I'm opening it up for you, for you to have this great debate. Um, which is better, Chrome OS or Windows 10? Windows 10, now we <laughs> moving on. Uh, no, <laughs> um, I say that again as a fan of Windows, but also as a, as a realist and someone who's played with and used uh, Chrome OS, uh, used Android tablets as well. I know not to mix the two because they are very different, but yeah. they um, they do uh, represent uh, a vision you know, from Google uh, on, on the uh, eventual merging of the two. So we'll stick with Chrome OS for now. But uh, I just, you know, I'll be having a review for the my Lenovo C13, I believe, which is the Chromebook, uh, Enterprise Chromebook. Uh, and it's supposed, it's supposed to be the most professional version of a Chromebook, you know, the most closely aligned with with Windows and Mac OS. And uh, I feel that it's lacking. I, I do give it credit for coming a long way in 10 years, but I also want to make sure that people see this from a 30,000 foot view that, you know, um, my opinion is that everyone's kind of given Chrome a pass for the last 10 years. Every year they keep saying this is the, it's kind of like the the Linux thing, like, oh, this is the year <laughs> Chrome OS becomes professional. Or that'll mean for this is the, you know, the time, you know, the president finally acts presidential. Like this is, you know, every year they keep saying that this is going to happen. And everyone runs out, you know, they try out all the new features, they test it out, and then they you know, for most reviewers and most professionals, they put it away and they go get their old laptops and they do the cycle again next year. So I'm glad that, you know, it's turned 10 years old. It has matured just from the, you know, the browser coming up and now, you know, they do windowing and they do, uh, you know, file, better file management and things like that. Like it's it's pretty awesome, but I do think in their rush to like kind of mimic all these things that they're just falling in some of the old paradigms without really innovating on them. So as you mentioned, like uh, one of our biggest conversation, our longest conversation about this was the phone hub feature. Right. Um, I I was very hesitant for your phone. Like I didn't see any value in it at first, and I may be doing the same thing with Chrome OS and its Phone Hub. But um, people were rushing to kind of compare the two, and from my personal view, they're nothing alike. Um, what Phone Hub does in Chrome OS is basically mirror a few um, uh, things that are happening on your phone that you really don't, you can't organize or control yourself. Like you can't you can't show what you want to see on there like you know messages will come up and then tabs from previous browsing but if you want to see like you know what was the last app that i was using what was the you know where was i adding this particular thing on the os of the phone you don't get that uh, your phone uh, microsoft struck sort of start off that same way and it's built into a whole robust thing where you're you know app mirroring and you're making phone calls and you know uh, it's just added a bunch of things to uh to it so as of right now, uh, phone hub, not there. <laughs> your your phone, much better. What do you think about it? I mean, um, I use an iPhone as my daily phone. Oh, but, so you're, um, you're at this conversation. <laughs> but I do have a side Android phone that I like to test uh, apps on. And it's pretty nice to see that uh, Google is trying to bring Android and, and Chrome OS closer together. I mean, you could already run like every app that you have on your Android phone. On that your Chrome, on your yeah. Chromebook, but sometimes, um, as you and I were talking about, 
they're not necessarily catered for a big screen. I know you tried the Lenovo Duet, which is uh, what ten point two inches, but I have the the um the Pixel Slate, and this screen is massive at twelve point two inches. And sometimes apps don't scale right, or they they're tiny text, or they're catered for for like uh for desktop basically. But you could split screen them and make them look like phone apps, but even then it's it's still not great. So I think what Google is trying to do is just try to to get people a reason to buy a Chromebook even more because hey, it's gonna they'll market it as hey, Chrome OS now plays nice with your Android phone in the same way that that iMessage and Apple get is doing with with what they have with iPhones and Mac OS and iPad and Mac OS and the watch and Mac OS and having a whole ecosystem. And it's something that people in on Reddit on the Chrome OS sub that I, I frequent, they always complain about how Google has Android and Google has Chrome OS and they don't play nice together. Like your phone doesn't really play nice with your computer. So to me, it doesn't really, it, it, it's like taking a big step forward and trying to like merge all of Google's products into one central thing that you could that so that they all play nice together and you you buy an entire ecosystem or ecosystem of Google devices and have them all. Yeah, and I I can see the logic behind that. I mean, it's worked well for Apple. Um, what I was saying about uh, watching Chrome over the last ten years kind of pick up uh, desktop. Uh, features from other uh, operating systems. I feel like, and I've mentioned this before, that they are going to be making the same sort of pitfalls without thinking right. uh, long term for this. Because I mean, the idea of having a Chromebook and you know having this underlying platform Android on there to have access to your apps, you don't really need uh, a, like a your phone, or you don't need it to play the same way that Apple does right. with yeah. with Mac OS. Because iOS and and Mac OS, at least until last year were kind of wholly different things. You know, iPad OS was was different than Mac OS. So you needed your phone to play nicely in order to get some of that synergy. So iMessage uh, worked, you know, across the, the board. Google has already has a messaging app. Like they have right. the same messaging app that you use on your phone uh, if you're not using Samsung, which is the other issue that, you know, uh, Chrome, Chrome OS, Android have is that they have this third ecosystem that kind of plays with all of their stuff as well that kind of messes things up. Apple doesn't have that. You'll have um, like four different apps to do the same thing, like how micro. I know I told you this when we were chatting. How Microsoft has the Skype UWP and then the Skype um, Win32 app. So you have two Skype apps on your desktop, and you get double notifications for everything. And this is it, it'll probably end up to be like you were saying the same thing with Chrome OS with the Phone Hub, which they're hoping to like evolve it and make being able to mirror your Android phone over to your to your Chromebook, so it'll probably end up the same way where you'll have like, oh, you'll get the ping for Google Messages for on your phone, then you'll get the ping for Google Messages on Chrome OS itself, and then you get the ping while you're mirroring your phone itself, and then you have three messages in one message, and it's like, hey, I heard you like messages, so I put messages in your <laughs> messages in your messages. So you can message me about your messages. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous, and that's why I'm saying like, they. I, and again, Google's apparently Achilles Hills is messaging anyway, so <laughs> I don't expect a lot from them, but they need to think about this kind of stuff. And the same thing I would say for, for Microsoft, like the, the reason why your phone exists is because they don't have the same connection right. to a smartphone operating system. So 
for anybody who's at work like myself, and you don't feel like picking up your phone constantly to look at messages, they built your phone, which makes sense. For Google, who already has a messaging app that you can have on your desktop in, in Chrome OS from Android, you can pull that same messaging app and get your notifications the same exact way. Why do you need your phone now pinging you about a message? Like you have the full blown app that has your <laughs> archive history it has all, you know, you can you can do pull up GIFs and you can pull up uh, emojis and emoticons, all that kind of stuff in the app. Like you can't do that with, with this your phone thing. But yet, yet they're building it for what reason? To mirror your Android phone that has all the same apps that your Chrome OS system has in full-blown, you know, uh, abilities. Like it just, it, to, to me, that's where I'm saying like they saw that your phone was something big on Windows. On and they're Windows. Always, they're always quick to be like, oh, Windows did something. Let's do it and we can do it yeah. better. Without thinking it through, like they don't need this. They don't need your phone because every single app doesn't need to be mirrored. They can literally run natively on Chrome OS, like where Windows Phone or Windows 10 can't do that. So they needed a, a bridge, and they started testing with Samsung, which is the bigger vendor. But eventually, hopefully, you know, I have a Pixel, and most of that stuff works. So this is where I'm saying, like, I think Chrome has been given a pass where people are saying, "Oh, I would like this feature. I would like this thing. I would like this thing." Without thinking, like. This is supposed to be a whole new operating system. It's supposed to operate differently, and now they're pulling in, you know, file management, which is something people, you know, you know, bemoaned at first. But you know, if you know what you're doing, it's very, it's very useful. Like, you know, just think through how this is supposed to be different and new versus oh, we just we'll just keep picking up features from the two big platforms and bring it into ours, and hopefully, you know, because we have the numbers, people will just adopt it. I mean, it seems to be working for them in education, and I think that's two parts not the operating system itself but mostly the platform for education and this the the price tag of the of the devices themselves hey i mean with the way i see it is hey if microsoft is doing something good let's just copy and paste it and make our own version of it because um if you look at windows 10x which is what i argued in my post comparing 10 windows 10 tablet mode to chrome os tablet mode microsoft is basically copying and pasting chrome os and then adding their own their own touches of it, and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, like I argued in my post, the the uh, Chrome OS tablet mode is is very good, but it takes a lot of cues from what Microsoft has done in Windows 8 and Windows 8.1, where with the gestures and the swiping and the pull up to see your apps and and all the the, the navigation, it's pretty fluent. So I I think that Google is just trying to make Chrome OS into Windows 10. Yeah, and Windows 10 is trying to make itself into Chrome OS, which is just weird, like, you know, worm eating its tail situation where they're just kind of chasing each other going around in circles. So we'll <laughs> see which one lands. Uh, again, I will have my Chromebook review, which is supposed to be the enterprise version of a Chromebook. Um, I don't know why you need an enterprise. I feel like there's no way to really differentiate Chrome OS the same way that you do with Windows, where you have a home and a, and a, a different version because... I mean, the admin um, access to the admin credentials to play at are all the same, I believe, for every Chromebook. So if you get an education one and you get an enterprise one, I believe you're really only measuring the I.O. essentially on it. Like, do you get an HDMI port or do you get a USB-C port? Like, that's really your pro versus consumer because the apps are the same. The operating system seems to be the same. Um, the only difference is maybe pro has a fan that runs louder. <laughs> All right, so with that said, I think we got through all of our big topics of the day, which means it's time for the week ahead. And for for the week ahead, we're keeping an eye on another Microsoft versus Google story, which I know you wrote about this week. 
yeah i mean i just love following the the drama <laughs> <laughs> um yeah um i believe it's uh was it uh, brad smith and i forget the gentleman from google's name i apologize but they would they had a exchange of uh, words via blog post um i believe brad started off the morning on friday talking uh, or you know uh setting this sowing the seeds for the antitrust investigation uh that google's about to go into and also um piggybacking on their recent uh, negotiations with the Australian media uh, about how they license and publish information uh, gathered from journalists, local journalists within the area. Um, I believe they had threatened, just like Facebook, to leave Australia, uh, New Zealand in particular, if uh, they were really wanting to enforce these new licensing uh, standards there. Um, at the last hour, I believe they finally came over the negotiation. They are now paying them, which, you know, rightly everyone should. Facebook bounced and, and they are now coming back. Australia is not coming back to the table because they saw a lot of traffic leave. Um, but Google's doing the right thing, I believe, in this. Uh, I believe their fear in all of this, though, is now it opens them up to the same sort of situations in Europe uh, and in North America eventually uh, if people catch on. So they want to kind of nip this in the bud. Microsoft, on the other hand, decided to raise their hand and say, hey, hey, look, <laughs> look, look what Google's doing. And, and not only is it bad that they're, you know, sort of uh, not paying journalists for their their news, but they're forcing any journalist who does hop on their platform to use all of their other services. Like they have to, you know, use all these other things in order to publish on there. And it's kind of a lock-in situation, the same way that we kind of uh, always point the finger at Apple for lock-in. Google's doing it for journalists. And so Microsoft raised the flag on that. And I believe a few hours later, Google said, hey, Microsoft, shut your mouth. You have your own issues. <laughs> and uh, I believe this gentleman uh, who wrote this blog post uh, wrote it starting off about, you know, um, their support for journalists and what their plans are and, you know, how they've dedicated a billion dollar uh, initiative to already start paying journalists and, you know, protect them from, um, you know, losing any more jobs because of uh, certain things. But in the middle of all of that, they had this kind of left turn where they targeted Microsoft and started talking about how Microsoft needs to shut their mouth and you know worry about their own you know SolarWinds involvement, the uh, <laughs> Exchange server issues. I believe they call it the Great Evo uh, hack or break or something like that that Microsoft's going through, and that they're being uh, they're using this as like kind of a bald opportunity to kind of you know uh, shoehorn competition. They brought up. Uh, sentiments of scruple. They're saying that Microsoft is going back to the old ways of, you know, kind of undercutting competition by bad mouthing them. And so he went on this whole tirade about that, uh, and then followed up with, "Don't be distracted by Microsoft. Just trust us. We we are supporting journalists." Uh, that's also being written on the back of Google <laughs> a couple weeks ago, issuing uh, questions to a subcommittee about an about the investigation into SolarWinds and Microsoft's involvement, what they plan to do with it going forward, how they're going to protect people, how this even happened. Google was whispering in the uh, sub uh, subcommittee members' ears on the questions to ask to kind of get leverage over Microsoft to kind of paint them in a, you know, not a particularly good light uh, about some of their ex uh, exploits in um, this particular thing. So. Both are lobbying for position. One's lobbying currently to kind of take over in um, markets targeted by uh, Google's anti-competitive nature, uh, especially towards journalists. Microsoft's willing to be there and kind of say that they'll pick up the slack. Google's lobbying to show how weak Microsoft's email service can be, uh, especially in light of it being attacked 
by several nation states in the last uh, few months or so. So, you know, it just seems like, again, I was mentioning earlier that there's this, they had kind of a Cold War slash, like, you know, begrudging partnership going on uh, for PWAs, for working on uh, this new Android and Duo project and stuff like that. You know, they were working together. <laughs> But now it seems like the gloves are off and they're back at it, uh, sort of, you know, circa 2009 again. It's like um, they're they're playing good on the consumer side, but then when it comes to news and enterprise, they're they're having war. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, again, this is this is also not the only front that Microsoft's again on. I, I've been slacking on my writing about um, or keeping up with the Jedi contract, but it looks like, and after finish up this piece, that they may be about to lose that as well. They've been oh in, boy. A war of words with Amazon over the last year and a half as Amazon's kind of fought to uh, get a review of this, a re-review, even though Microsoft has granted the Jedi contract. And it seems like after a, a, almost a year and a few months that they're about to get this re-review. So um, not to say that Microsoft doesn't win it again, but, you know, they're about to basically start over. So we'll see. Microsoft's already started to kind of tout and position their their existing contracts with them and talk about how those are you know very fruitful for them so it already seems like they're just kind of positioning and readying themselves for not getting this contract not to say amazon will get it but uh again microsoft's fighting on a bunch of different fronts and very heated uh as of recent so we'll see how Sachin nadella navigates that because i feel like this is bomber's kind of thing like he loved <laughs> to kind of fight and get into it and he was pretty decent at it uh i don't know it seems like you know the uh, tibetan version of Sachin Nadella, I don't know if he's got the, the claws of the things <laughs> to fight these kind of wars. Uh, you mentioned the SolarWinds hack uh, there in your in your when you were talking about the Microsoft versus Google thing. And one thing that we got to talk with uh, Yubico about is how companies are staying safe. Segway. How, how companies are staying safe uh, during uh, keeping their devices safe and keeping their employees safe uh, during a global pandemic. And we had a chance to talk with uh, Jared Chung, who is Yubico's uh, chief uh, solutions officer about this. And they also sent me over some YubiKeys for review. So that's coming up in the week ahead. And I want you to keep an eye out for that special piece. Uh, two pieces, one on how you yourself, uh, the consumer, could use a uh, YubiKey in your life. And then uh, if you happen to be part of an enterprise or you own a small business, uh, how YubiKey can fit in with with uh, enterprise and small business. Yeah, um, we have that. And then we also have, uh, like we said, we have some hardware stuff that kind of dovetails into our Chrome OS debate that we were just mentioning. So uh, like I said, I should have my uh, Lenovo C13 Chromebook review up next week. Um, I'll be finishing up my, uh, finally, the Surface Pro uh, <laughs> 7 Plus view, which is basically uh, a reading of a bunch of tests and things that you know, just kind of see exactly the the minute differences in the two. Um, we also will be having, um, what else are we talking about next week? I think that should be it for me for hard. Oh, um, I actually got a, a device. Uh, it's, a, it's a conference dedicated monitor that you can kind of, uh, I don't know if it's about this tall, uh, was given to me. And I will give you some details about that uh, next week to kind of see if people will start using those versus these $99 webcams that Microsoft could be coming up with. <laughs> this is a Teams enabled. I believe Google Hangouts as well supported on this. So uh, this is, you know, for people who are looking for something a little more robust or at least more dedicated than just a typical webcam. 
Uh, I also forgot to mention that I do have another review from Aki coming up. This one is their Link PD Pro USB-C hub, which is a little nice and a little compact uh, USB-C hub that has its nice little holster that you could put in your pocket or put it in your bag and travel with it and expand the, the ports on your Surface or any other device that only comes with USB-C. So keep an eye out for that as well. Yeah, the hardware boys are going to be busy at work next week. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that said, I think that is our last topic, that, and uh, that is the last thing that we wanted to talk about. Oh, we also, we for completely forgot to tease our special guest that's coming up next week. I'll let you do it. You, you're, you're the one that brings <laughs> this person in. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, our editor-in-chief, editor uh, Kip, was working with a web designer on the big redesign of Odd Microsoft. So uh, we invited her, uh, we will be inviting her to chat with us on the ON podcast about uh, the things she uses in web design. Um, and she'll tell us her story, just like when we had uh, Richard Hay on a few weeks ago. It's always good to talk with new people and hear their story because, hey, you never know what you could learn. Yeah, for those of you who are aspiring web developers, uh, interested in web development, need a web developer, um, stay tuned. Yeah, uh, and uh, I'll lead you for the traditional outro. Yeah, um, like I said, you know where to find me. I want everyone to stay safe. We are getting closer to being a new normal, and I'd love to all see you there then. So uh, wear a mask, uh, and uh, we'll see you next week with more information. Thanks for watching, and see you again next week. Same place, same time.